morning. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today. I'm going to ask a question before we get started here. How, how do you learn best when you have to learn something? So Carolyn's a, a reader. She likes to read it. What are other ways that, that you learn? By doing? By, by making mistakes? Yes. Yes, and yeah, there's, you know, sometimes our parents tell us things that we don't believe and then we do them anyway and then we learn why they told us not to do that. Um, yes. I, you know, and I'm, I'm a visual learner. I like pictures. If I can, if I'm going to read it in a book, if I have a picture to go along with it or if I can watch somebody do it and then do it, then I learn a lot better. So we're going to see today how, you know, Jesus has been doing a lot of preaching and teaching, but he's going to give the disciples a very important lesson in who he is and the power that he has and and that he is in control and they need to have faith and trust in that. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. We're going to um, read verses 35 to 38. So Mark 4. 35 to 38. So we'll go ahead and Mark 4, starting in verse 35. On that day, evening said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And so where, where we're at here in the Gospel of Mark is that and we've been talking a lot about Jesus teaching and preaching. And he's been in different places. And they're still at um, the Sea of Galilee. They were at Lake Genesaret. And remember, he preaches from the boat to kind of get away from the crowd. And so when they're done, what he wants to do is go. They're on the west side. He wants to go to the east side. It's much less populated. It's a lot quieter. It'll be easier for the disciples to rest. And so Jesus has been teaching, and what he taught were a lot of different parables. And so what, if someone asked you to describe what a parable is, what, what would you say a parable is? It is a story with a lesson, but is it, um, is it a direct command or something that you should do? Or does, does a parable use a story with something you're familiar with to help you understand? It is. Us- using a, a metaphor, um, or you know, like I said, something that the Bible uses growing things a lot. So one of the, um, you know, when, when Jesus was teaching, if you look back a few chapters in Mark, um, if you go back to the beginning of, of 4, he's teaching about the parable of the soils where, you know, there's, you know, the sower puts seed on the ground and the birds come and, and eat some of that seed right away. So, you know, it's the, the seed we know, so that the story that, the, or the, the parable that Jesus teaches is that a sower goes and he throws seed on the ground and there's seed everywhere. And a bird, birds come along and they eat some of that seed, so it never even gets a chance to grow. And then some of that seed's on rocky ground where it sprouts, but there's not good soil, and it doesn't have good root, and it withers and dies pretty quickly. Then there's some seed that's thrown out there, and it's a bunch, it's, it's mixed in with a bunch of weed seed or the tares, 
And so it grows with the weeds, but the good plant gets choked out by the weeds and it's trying to compete and it cares so much about those things that it doesn't really do well. But then there is some of that seed that falls on good soil and it grows up and it produces, you know, 10 or 20 or 100 times what it started with. Because if you think about a, a grain of wheat, when you plant that, when that, you know, those farmers know this, maybe not everybody does, but when that wheat seed germinates and starts to grow, it doesn't just produce a single stock. It does what's called tillering, and it'll send out a few extra um, seeds. And even if, you, if something comes along, like if you graze cows on that wheat, they eat that down, and it sends up even more. And so you get a whole bunch. So from one seed, you get a whole bunch of tillers, and you get a whole bunch of seed heads. So you can get 100 times, you know, 100 wheat kernels from the one that you planted. But if someone just talked to you about that and you're trying to decide, okay, well, I thought we were talking about Jesus and God and what's going on. So the parable part of that is God's word goes out. And some people don't even pay attention to it. It's like the birds that eat it. It doesn't have a chance for anybody. You know, people don't take it. And really, you know, Satan takes that word away from people. They're more tempted by what's going to happen. There are those new believers who hear the word and get saved, but they're not discipled. And, and they get discouraged very easily. And they don't make it very far in their Christian faith. Those are like the ones on the rocky soil. And then a lot of us are like those seed, you know, seeds that get planted with all the weeds, the cares of the world. And um, you know, we let all the weeds around us take over and take control of our life, and we worry so much about that, we don't do what God wants us to do. But then there are some of us that you know are very, very faithful and very courageous and follow God's word and we spread God's word and from one person lots and lots of people get saved um, so the, these are some of the parables that Jesus has been teaching his followers and so he spent all day teaching and now he's tired and so he's like let's go to the other side of the lake where it's going to be a lot quieter and we can be by ourselves and so they get in the boat and they're heading out so what happens when they're out on the lake yeah, Jesus goes to sleep. It tells us he's in the back. So these are not big boats either. These are the regular size fishing boats. So these are not, you know, big monster ocean liners. These are just regular fishing boats. And they're out on this lake. And in the back, there's a cushion. And Jesus is tired because he's been teaching all day. So he lays down and goes to sleep. Well, this storm comes. And so they're in this small boat. And there are other small boats out there. And um, this wasn't what planned, right? So... If, if the fishermen knew that are with Jesus, if his disciples knew that this storm was going to come, do you think they would have gotten their little boats and headed out on the lake? No. I think everybody who boats knows about boat safety, and most of the boats that we have, if you're out on the lake in a storm, it's not a good thing. So you're always watching for the weather, and you see what's happening, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't go out if you knew there was going to be a big storm. But they're out there, and it comes up, and... Um, so is it, you know, when this storm is happening, what's happening to the boat? It's taking on water. It's, it's so much of a storm. It's a big enough wind and the white caps. It's coming over the sides of the boat, and it's filling the boat up. And so everybody in the boat is getting really worried about what's going on. And until they get to that point that they're so afraid that the boat is going to sink, what do they end up doing? They, they wake up Jesus, right? They go back and they finally say, Hey, and, and, and what do they ask him? What do they tell him? Don't you care? And, and so 
part of this, you know, thinking about this, you know, if we're talking about parables, what tends to happen to us in our life is we have a plan, and we want that plan to go well. So our plan is to get in the boat and get out on the lake and go to the other side. But, you know, whatever we're doing in our life, storms come up. Sometimes even though we plan and we think we know what's happening, do those storms come up? Even if you check with the weatherman, because weathermen are not perfect. And, and these things happen. But um, do you think we react when we have these storms in our lives the way that the disciples act? We, we definitely do. And what's one of those things that, that they did that we tend to do that we probably shouldn't do? Part of it is questioning. Because, you know, they're saying, don't you care? Because in their mind, they've already run through the scenario of, you know, the boat's taking on water. It's a bad storm. It's going to swamp. I can only swim for so long. We're in the middle of the lake. I'm going to drown. And they've already run down that trail, and they're so far ahead that when they wake Jesus up, they're in a panic. And so this had to be a very scary storm. These are fishermen who made their living out on this lake. They're not afraid of some rough water and those things. So this is a bad enough storm. They know things are not going very well. But when the weather started to get bad, do you think that maybe would have been the chance to, like, turn around or maybe wake Jesus up and say, so do you really want to go to the other side? Because if we turn back now, we can make it back and it won't be so bad. Because I'm thinking they're fisherman instincts as soon as they started seeing these things and I, I know we know that because there are lots of situations that we've gone through that weren't good that as soon as we start to see these things in our lives we know okay I need to stop right as soon as the check engine light comes on on your car you know something's not right with my car you know and so if you're headed to Denver are you going to just keep driving or are you going to pull over open the hood look and see what's happening Maybe call somebody who knows about engines say it's it's making this weird sound. If you're just going to keep driving until that thing dies, that's one choice. But it looks like, to me, that's what they did here. When things started, I'm sure before it got to this point where they're really fearing for their lives, they thought we should do something different. But they didn't think to go to Jesus and say, are you sure you want me to do this? So I think that's one of those lessons we can learn from this is, when from our experience we start to see something going the wrong way that's when we go to god that's when we pray that's when we ask god for guidance that's when you know we try to figure out really what we should do we shouldn't wait until we are sure we're going to die before we pray but that's where they're at is is they get to this point where they're very fearful and then part of what's going on here, and it was mentioned, is that they're asking Jesus, don't you care about us? We're going to die. So what do we know about Jesus? He loves us. Do you think he cares about us? Yes. Do we oftentimes let that emotional response that we have, that's anger or fear, overcome how we react, and then we get really mad at Jesus? Do you, do you think Jesus knew this storm was coming? Do you think he knew what was going to happen? And that was so I, when, I, when I asked you about how you like to learn, I think this is something where Jesus is really helping the disciples understand who he is and the power that he has. And, yeah, and, and I think, you know, Beth has a good point with, it's easy to be a fair weather Christian, you know, pun intended. So when everything's going very well and it's sunny weather and things are nice out on the lake, 
it's awesome to say I'm a Christian. When you're in the middle of a storm in your life that you think is going to kill you, it's not always so easy to trust in God. And really, when, when they're afraid here, what really are they afraid of? Physically dying. As a believer, what happens when we physically die? We are with the Lord. The instant you are, your physical body dies, your spiritual body is in the presence of the Lord. And so, something to think about, and this happens so much with us, because we live in a physical world and we're physical beings physical beings. If you pinch yourself, it hurts. We have physical things that happen. We don't really want to die. We've spent our whole lives growing up learning how to survive, how to not touch the hot stove, how to, you know, what do we need to eat so we have good nutrition so that our bodies work the way they're supposed to. We, we drive and follow the, the driving rules so we don't have head-on collisions and kill our, right? We do all these things to physically save you know ourselves and to do these things so we very much are focused on physically staying alive but if you're a believer and you are spiritually alive should you really be worried about your physical death should, should you strive more to live out your spiritual life or strive more to live your physical life your spiritual life but how hard is that it's really hard because we've spent it's it's we've spent our whole lives trying not to physically die and, and part of what Jesus' point here that we'll get to in verse 39 is, I mean, our, our days are numbered. God knew who we were before we were born. He um, made us in his image. We are his workmanship, and he created good works for us to accomplish. So he already knows what we're going to do. He knows when we're going to die. So Jesus knows they're not going to die during the storm, although it really looks like it. But what if, what if the boats had sunk and all of these people died and Jesus walked on the water to the other side of the lake? Is that good or bad? It, God's will. God didn't will for them to die at this point in time. But will all these men die? Yes. Most of the disciples were crucified. Most of them die very painful, horrible deaths because they would not recant who their Lord and Savior was. They wouldn't give up Jesus. But we still, it's, it's hard. We probably have all done physical things on this earth that are very, very scary. But once you go through and you do that, and you realize you're not going to die, it's not so bad. It is, and change is hard. And, and that's a good point, because... As people, we're, gonna, we're always going to pray for the nice, easy, level path with rainbows and sunshine and plenty to eat and all that. But God might have us going you know, straight up Hesperus Mountain on the rocky spine, and you're looking around, and you're like, I'm never going to make it. But if that's where God wants you, and he wants you to climb that mountain, he will give you what you need and provide that path. And that could be, and that might be what they were doing, is maybe even though they knew they shouldn't because Jesus... If it is, it is a good perspective, right? It is, and that's something as as we because we have the full canon of Scripture and and we know all of these things and we've read all of the Gospels about how it works out and all the things. It is it is a good point that Ray brings up is that you know they still are pretty new in this, um, and and Jesus has pretty high expectations for them, but he also doesn't um, 
He doesn't condemn them because their faith isn't strong enough to help them weather this storm. So if we, if we read verse 39 in Mark chapter 4, we'll see what Jesus does when they wake him up. And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And so Jesus, when they wake him up, he realizes how terrified they are and what they're terrified of. And he takes care of this. Immediately he can do that. And so in this way, um, he is using actions and not just words. Because as, as he's teaching, and he's teaching the parables, and, and he, he taught several different parables all during that day, and he was hope, you know, I'm sure he hoped that that, w- they, that they understand that. And that's something for us, is that we can read the Bible and understand the Bible and have an intellectual knowledge of who God is and who Jesus is and what sin is and Christ's death on the cross. But until we start to live that, and we really put our faith and trust in Jesus and, and count on God's promises and see him work in our lives, our faith doesn't grow very well. It's just like an athlete. Unless you go train and you work really hard and you tear those muscles down in your body and you build those muscles back up and you run and you get your endurance so that your, your cardiopulmonary system will let you run and run and run and, and, and not get tired. Until you do that really hard physical work, your physical body doesn't get better. Until we do the really hard spiritual work of believing in God and following him and doing what his his, um, word says, what he calls us to do, until we really do put that trust in God in our spiritual life and we walk spiritually with him through all of the trials here on earth, until we face up those physical fears, realizing that we can be in a very dangerous physical situation but if god wants us to carry through with that he will carry us through that you know and paul in acts um, towards the end of the book gives this long list of all of the physical things that happened to his body that didn't kill him that probably should have because god wasn't done with him yet and so because he had that faith in god and was willing to follow god wherever god led him paul went through all kinds of physical um, dangers and issues to his body that didn't kill him. Um, and he made it all the way to Rome and witnessed in Rome and did everything that God had wanted him to do. But he was, he was able to look beyond the physical world and the physical things that are happening to him, knowing that God wanted him to do these spiritual things, that he was going to be the witness for a great many people to the Gentiles for God. And so it's, it's looking at that. Because, you know, when, when they told him they don't care, Jesus here through physical action shows them that he does care. And if you look in 1 Peter, um, chap, 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. So 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the almighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So, so we know that Jesus cares. And I think these fishermen probably understood that Jesus cared for them. But now they know, they get that physical experience. They're living out their faith and seeing Christ who, you know. And, and Jesus has that power. He's part of the triune God. You know, if, if you look in... John chapter 1, the first couple of verses, what, from memory, what does that tell us? 
It says, in the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it, it tells you in verse 3 that nothing was created that wasn't created through Jesus Christ, the Word. So everything that was created was created through Jesus, by Jesus. And so he has control over all these physical elements. And so if there's a storm that happens... One, Jesus knows, I mean, he's God, and so when we kind of get into um, some of these theological aspects, is the, the three big O's about God is he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, and he's um, omniscient. So omnipresent, he's always here, he's always been here, he'll always be here. Omniscient means he's all-knowing, and omnipotent, he's all-powerful. So you know, if we think about those three words, Jesus is part of the triune God. He knew the storm was going to come. He knew what was going to happen. He knew he would be able to, if he needed to, he could calm the storm. And that's fully within his power because he was fully man and fully God. So he was able to do this. But he he puts on this powerful display for the disciples where it was this raging storm that these professional fishermen are fearing for their lives And so it goes from this gale, you know, it says the wind died down and it became perfectly calm, which is a big difference. Um, And I, you know, I I haven't, I'm not a swimmer. I don't go on the water very much. I haven't really been on the ocean. Um, But I was going to ask Dina, in your time in the Navy, were you ever on board ship when you went through a really bad storm? And so it's, it's ferocious, isn't it? And even though the, I'm sure the ship that you were on was a, a ginormous, big metal ship, and these are you know so it's, it's, so it's a very powerful force. And then how many of you have been out on a lake, when there's no wind and it's perfectly calm and the surface of the water is like a mirror, and and I, I have done that, and that that is an amazing feeling to me because it's so it's so calm and nice and perfect and it's so enjoyable and it's just so imagine that going from raging storm that's going to sink your boat to it's just like a, a quiet evening on the lake and that's what jesus does and so we're going to read now in um i'm going to i'm going to finish up here and read verses 40 and 41 and we'll see how the disciples react to this and what jesus reaction is so mark chapter 4 verse 40 and he, and he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So first let's talk a little bit about Jesus' reaction to them. Why do you think Jesus had the reaction that he did where he's asking them, Do you still have no faith? He, he, he didn't just start teaching them the day before. They, they have been with him. And they have the prophecies, and he has shown and declared himself that he is the Messiah. And so they're in the presence of the Messiah. And, and I don't know if it's that long, but Mark, Mark is the gospel that gets right with it. It doesn't lead up, to, it doesn't do the genealogy, it doesn't have all that stuff. Mark starts right in with the baptism of Jesus. And, 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 but to um, Chris's point, they've seen him do miracles. They have watched him work, so they have a pretty good idea. Um, and so, you know, and, and maybe Jesus is a little frustrated, maybe he's not, because we all experience this. We all have times when our faith is not very strong, when we know what we should do and we just don't do it. And that's, 
that's part of our fleshly nature. That's part of our sin body. But he's, you know, you can kind of, and for those of us that are parents, you can kind of understand, you know, you just, you just spend all day teaching, you know, telling your kids to do something and they haven't done it. It's like, why haven't you done it yet? And, you know, so Jesus is asking them that, you know, you know, why are, why are you uh, afraid? Do you still have no faith? And, um, and it's not, you know, there's, there may be some anger there with that, and there's probably some disappointment, but he doesn't, you know, he's, he's still there for them. He's still their Lord and Savior. It's not like he's condemning them. He's just rebuking them, saying, you should do better than this. You should know better. Um, and then how, how do the disciples react then to what he's done and what he tells them? Yes, and, and all those fish, and there were, it wasn't just the one boat. There were several boats, so all these people that are there in all these boats, they physically witnessed the power of God. Now, they're Jewish people, and they have grown up hearing all of the stories of the Old Testament. So they heard about, you know, they, they know the creation story. They know about um, their ancestors being in Egypt and being enslaved and how God sends Moses and all of the plagues and then the Passover, and they, if they're Jewish, they celebrate the Passover every year. The first Passover was in Egypt, where God sent the, the, the killing angel, and everybody who didn't follow God's ordinance for the Passover, their oldest male child died everywhere in the country. And then the whole exodus and the parting of the Red Sea, and even through Joshua and the parting of the Jordan to go into the Promised Land, and all of these, they've heard all of these stories about God's power. And, and they just witnessed physically God's power of him calming the storm. And so it's very much what Beth said is they are seeing God. They saw God's power work immediately in their presence. So now it's not just Old Testament stories that they heard. They have physical experience here on the earth. They saw this happen. They were eyewitnesses to the calming of the storm. And so what would you expect their reaction to be? So... This is Jesus Christ. He's part of the triune God, and you're in his presence, and you just witnessed him do this amazing thing. What would you expect them to feel or to think about? Ah. Yes, and that, and that fear of God, as long as it is, it is awe, like Carolyn said, where you just witnessed this work of God, and you're amazed, and you're, you know, Fearful on the one hand, I think the reason that we are fearful is we know we're sinners, and we know God does not accept sin, and so it's just like you just got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. You realize you are a sinner, and here is the living God, the Son of God, who has the power to destroy you, and you're in his presence, and it's like you don't want to be there because you know who you are, and you know what the consequences are. And, and they were caught with a lack, lack of faith. Because now they're realizing that, wait, this is the Son of God, and he was taking us to the other side of the lake, and as bad as this got, God's, you know, if, you know, Jesus isn't going to die this way, you know, and they're, you know, and like I said, we, when we read this, because we know what happens, we know he's not going to die that way. But I would think there was some joy, and that this is the God that I serve. This is how powerful my God is. But, but they are fearful, and, and instead maybe of acknowledging, you know, understanding who God is and having that 
fear of the awesome, wonderful God that they serve and that he can keep his promises, they're, they're you know, physically afraid of what can happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we, as we go through our lives and, and we are in those circumstances, that it looks like we're in a boat that's swamping, that's about to sink, that we remember who God is and what Jesus did for these fishermen, and that God can do that in our lives, that we, we need to have faith in him. We need to continue on the course that he's called us on as bad as it gets because he will make sure that we are successful. He will make sure that we have what we need. And we need to remember what success is, is what God, you know, doing what God's called us to do. It's not, it's not what I think is success. It's what God thinks is success. It's what Pastor Craig talked about, about the fruits of the Spirit. If we're, if we're showing fruit, if we're growing fruit, you know, like it says in Galatians chapter 5, if that's what our life is producing, we are doing what God wants us to do. If we are not producing fruit, we have to ask ourselves, what's going on? Why am I not producing, you know, why do, why do I not have any peace in my life? Why am I always feeling like I'm in conflict? Well, peace is one of those fruits of the Spirit. If you have that peace, you know, that passes all understanding in your life, that's a good sign. If you don't, then we need to figure that out. We need to pray to God. We need to read our scriptures. We need to talk to fellow Christians. We need to try to understand why we don't have those fruits in our life. Because if we're being obedient God to God and we're following his will, we will produce that fruit. We will produce the godly fruit that he calls us to. And if we're not, there's something going on that we really need to think about. And it is. And, and I mentioned that before, that really because we live in a physical world and we think a lot, and, and Craig talked about how we pray, and we always pray for the physical part of our lives to be pain-free and to be what we want, as opposed to praying for, show me what your will is, God. Give me the strength to be in your will. Help me know what I can do to further the cause of Christ. Help me to be more obedient to you. You know, and Paul talks about that, about dying to self and living to God, and it's that constant thing that we have, because our, our nature is to physically stay alive. Our nature is to want things to be easy. We want things to be pain-free and to not have to worry about things and do those, you know, we don't, we don't want to have to go through the, the hard parts. But if we don't go through the hard parts, we probably won't grow that fruit that God's calling us to grow. And that's really what we're supposed to do, is to grow that. Yes, and that's, yeah, I mean, God, we, we are where we are because God has placed us here. Some of that has to do with choices that we make. God gives us free will, and we have choices that we can make. We can make some choices that make our life very, very difficult, but God still never abandons us, and he's always going to be there. You may have to live out some very difficult circumstances because of choices that you've made, but that was something that God allowed you to do. Um, but he does want us to go through these things. You know, if, really, if God wants your life to be easy, if that's the path he's chosen for you, your life will be easy. But you probably won't bear very much fruit. You could. You know, all things are possible with God. But it's those trials that he puts you through. It's those hard things that we have to deal with that our reaction shows who our faith is in. Our reactions to the circumstances of life show people if we really believe and trust in God and we have that faith or... Do we not? 
if, if we react in anger and fear and all we want to do is get away instead of figuring out why God has us there and what fruit we can bear for him and how we can bear witness and testimony for him in that trial, then you know, it's, it's part of that Christian maturation process. It's part of that sanctification is, is understanding that. And, and if, if you talk to someone who you know, is an athlete and when they first started to train at whatever they did, they may not have liked it. But the more they did it and the better they got, the more they did like it. And so then pretty soon they get to where, I don't know if, if, if you know people who run, my daughter's a runner. If she doesn't get to run, she gets really crabby because she knows her body needs that and it's good for her and, and she does that. And we probably all have those, those physical things that we need to do. But the more we do those things, the more we practice it, the better it gets and the easier it is. And so these fishermen, more than likely, going through this storm, the next time they have to follow Jesus through something that's really, really hard, they'll have more faith knowing what his, you know, they, they got to see what that power was. They'll have more faith in understanding that he's actually going to do what he wants, you know, what, what he needs done. Very much so, and we all make mistakes. And, and God understands that we're going to do that. It's just that when we realize we've done it, if we repent ask for forgiveness and move forward that's what god wants us to do because even then that shows people in a very strong way what your faith is and who you who you really serve and what you want to do mm-hmm. yes no and then god's not going to throw us away and that that's um kind of how i want to end on this is i'm going to read out of romans chapter 8 um, verses 35 to 39 just to remember even though we go through all these trials and even if we don't respond in the right way and we're really not being the best Christian that we could be, God still loves us and we're still saved as believers once you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he will do that. So this is Paul talking to the Romans. It's in Paul, or sorry, Romans chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that there's nothing that will separate you from, from God. Once you are saved, you are saved. And God is always there, and he's always there for us. And doesn't mean he won't rebuke us. Doesn't mean he doesn't have high expectations for us. Doesn't mean he's not going to make us work really hard. But it does mean that he loves us forever, and he's always going to be there for us, and we can trust in that.